Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, friends. I'm reminding you we have an upcoming Lit Europe tour, and we would love for you to join us, whether you live in Europe or not. Get on to these workshops. Maybe travel with us and go from one place to another. I mean, we're going to Paris. We're going to Frankfurt, Germany. Then we're heading to Salzburg, Austria. We're going to have the best time, and we would love to see you. There's nothing like an in-person workshop experience to fine-tune your movement, get some real educational nuggets for better movement on and off the mat. And by the way, we have the best time together. We would love to give you a hug and help you move your best and feel your best. So join us in Europe this summer. Check out the show notes for all the details. Before you listen to the podcast, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things in the world, the lit teacher training. Creating this comprehensive teacher training really felt like my life's work compilation, and I hold nothing back. My mission is for everyone to know and understand the whole body, functional movement, and the how and why behind the movement choices we make to feel empowered, transforming your own lives, and sharing that knowledge with others. In the Lit Teacher Training, we investigate the poses and transitions, the energy flow through this vessel of our body, and work to move through space with increased precision and fluidity to create more joy and fun. So ask yourself, are you enjoying the life you're living in your body? If you're not fully, there's no better time than now to create new pathways and new opportunities. And with that fresh palette, attempt to emphasize growth and connection rather than accomplishment. Learning how to give people feedback in their bodies so that they retrain their own neural pathways and habitual movement patterns is truly a gift, and you will get that in this training. With both our self-guided and in-real-time virtual experience, the 10-week training is rich in functional anatomy from my background as a physical therapist, methodology, and yogic philosophy through a modern-day lens. Like the hundred of others around the world, you will complete the training with new skills, sound knowledge, and confidence to teach others. And you have access to the training for life. Finally, our Lit Teacher community is vibrant and supportive, and being a part of it is like having all your friends with who you speak the same language with the same passion. So join this experience 
for reverence of the body as the container of the divine to change your life. Go to lityogatraining.com and I can't wait for you to join our community. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A where you all ask the questions and we answer. We love this. It's like our time together. I'm with my fabulous, amazing co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. I know we've got some great questions lined up. You guys have been sending them in, so we appreciate that. Laura, do you want to start this week? Yeah, this is from Harley T. She asks, do you think we can move better as we age? This is the age-old question. I so, think yes. Let, yeah, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, yeah I, was, I mean, I think I move better now than I did in my 20s. Um, I think uh, as we age, in fact, the way we move should be a bigger focus. We we talk about in lit, you know, move better to feel better. And it becomes more important the older you, the older you get. Um, and I think we become more intelligent with our movement patterns the older we get because we feel more in our body. When we're younger, we're more distracted. We're more um, just spur of the moment. We, we, we have fewer responsibilities. Uh, in 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 life we have few fewer issues in our body most people it actually is to me very sad the number of younger kids that we're starting younger kids by being 20s who are in chronic pain uh, teenagers um you know and i do believe it's because of the way we move so we can absolutely you know move better the older we get and as a physical therapist it's shocking how people who don't focus on their movement practice become very, um, I don't want to call it disabled, but unable to balance, unable to bend, unable to do things that really, you know, in a, in a, in, in many other societies where it's not so chair centric and work centric, people are playing more, people are gardening people are getting up and down and 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 moving more in their daily life they move better than many people and, and so the number of patients i have that can't stand on a leg one leg for five seconds um and this can be in their 60s which is young um is shocking and and so that's why just recently the big flamingo challenge got all of this press and like it was this brand new thing and as physical therapists we've been talking about that for years that research is old actually that your ability to balance and that comes from the core really decreases your morbidity you know meaning like you know improves your you know your 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 chances of of sustaining a fall and coming out of it um so it is never too late to start changing how you move focusing on moving better focusing on you know your posture so not just moving better but standing better 
sitting better, changing your habits. Uh, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It might be a little more challenging when you're older because you've been doing things a certain way for much longer. However, I do again. I think that we have more motor intel. We have more motor intelligence when we're older. We have more um, body awareness, interoception. I think as we get older, we're much more in tune. So, have faith and and so to people you know who are looking at their parents maybe and are getting worried about the fact that maybe their mom can't get on the ground to play with their grandchildren you know, have a heart to heart conversation, you know, what can you do to, to, to help them move better? Um, you'd be surprised at how much people can grow at, I've seen people in their eighties get, get better from really being pretty, pretty low. Laura, what else do you have to add to that? Well, absolutely. You can get better and we see it all the time. The big caveat asterisk is you have to be educated how to move more optimally. There is not a, I really don't like to bucket it in good and bad. That's so boring and binary. It's like, what's more intelligent, more sustainable, uh, makes you more durable in your body and your, in all of your systems, because movement impacts all of your systems. It impacts your neurology, your brain and your brain mapping. It impacts your cardiopulmonary and your lymphatic and your musculoskeletal and all of those things really improve with movement. So one big thing is we need to move more often. And like Kristen was saying, younger people who are already showing some evidence of chronic pain or complaints of that or postural um, woes and imbalances, uh, it, it, it really speaks to the fact that our bodies want to move more often. And we are, we are just being sold a, a terrible bag of goods that we were supposed to be working at a desk for eight or nine hours a day and driving our car and, you know, a lot of sedentary behavior. And so you need to know how to move well. And that can, that's just learning from like Kristen or me or somebody, a lit teacher, or learning from a guide who understands the body. When we move, we primarily want our spine to be neutral. That is a fact that is the best sustainable functional movement is big movement requires your spine to be neutral because it's transmitting energy and it's going to transmit that energy and hold on to it much more effectively when you're in neutral spine so you need somebody who teaches you what is neutral spine what is neutral pelvis how do you move in your hips how do you move well in your ankles why the ankles need to move well because they are the contact we point we have with the floor and we need to move that well so that we don't have to move something up the chain more. You know, when there's any kind of decrease in mobility, something has to take up that um, if you want to still acquire the, the movement patterns. And, you know, I was just scooping litter from Mo. And it's like my mom is 81 and she scoops litter from a lot of cat boxes because she has she's now down to six cats, but she's been up to 11. And you know, that is so great. That is so great that she has been doing that. She gets down. She can crouch. She can like stagger leg um, squat. And if she wasn't doing that, there's not a lot of daily activities set up for older people to do that. You know, they like go from a high, high chair, like a chair that's elevated to a toilet that's elevated to a car that's elevated. And they really need to keep that um, range of motion in their hips and ankles 
because you want to be able to get down on the ground and then up again. So the key is you need, most people have not been taught how to move the most, most optimally, most sustainably. Optimally is just like something that you're going to be able to repeat. Um, our hips are made to move trillions of cycles. Our bat, low back, I don't care what anybody says, it's very strong, but it's not made, the muscles attaching to it are very small. The structures attaching to it are made specifically for, for transmitting energy and force more than a lot of excessive movement. Um, so we just need to understand the body so that we can, yeah, age well. Like it's a, it's a, it's a machine of sorts that we need to take care of just like we would take care of our car. We, we need to align it. We need to fill up the tire pressure. We need to keep the lubrication in the joints. And you can do that by moving regularly and moving well. So uh, yeah, and, and Chris and I both have seen many people who move better after 40 once they've been working with us than they did prior to that, even though they might have been kind of thinking they were moving better and moving more often, they're actually moving more optimally after through the education that we provide. So get with somebody who really understands the body and will teach you. I love that you brought up just a simple structure, you know, thinking about the way the spine is set up. You know, it is set up to transmit energy. It's set up to stabilize. And the hips are set up to move. That's a ball and socket joint. A ball and socket joint is not inherently stable. Uh, the spine is inherently stable the way it is set up. So we need to move where we're inherently mobile. That being said, working on the stability of the hips is crucial, but, you know, and then stabilize. And that's not to say that you can't flex. You know, we don't need people walking around like robots with their spine straight all the time. But when you're taking it against a load, like when they're, when you have to move, um, choose, like you said, the most optimal, the most sustainable way is just to simply go with the structure. Um, I just, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's go, um, with our, our second question here was sent in from one of our lit teachers, uh, out in Vietnam, Chia Wee Teo. She said, and this was from a while back. So she says from last week's Wednesday Q&A, this probably was a while ago, regarding disc herniation, if a client has a slipped disc at the cervical spine and was advised by her chiro to do soft yoga or gentle, needing to avoid down dog, is it okay if she continues our lit yoga practice? At some point, I kind of know the answer because that's what we highlight in a lot of classes, that neutral spine position and definitely working with the cervical neck flexors to strengthen but I would like to hear more insights from you both. And this is a great question. Laura, do you want to start off with that one? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, a lot of people will say slip disc and we get this feeling of like this disc slipping out. And that's kind of a layperson's term. Um, it might be bulging. It might be moving in some way that is uh, projecting out into some of the, the nerve roots that um, will then give you the feeling of pain or numbness or tingling. So I think it's important that we really clarify what that is. It's not like the discs are heartily in place. They have a strong collagenous um, structure. Their ex the the outer ring is very strong, and but it can it can be compressed and pushed because it it needs to, and that helps. But if it's 
pushed in one direction a lot, say with your posture or something, <laughs> then then that's where it can kind of venture out from where it's kind of structurally um, first originating and that and then compress on some things. So number one, know that that disc can go back, it, but you have to address why it was pressed out. Sometimes this can happen uh, when someone has like a very acute traumatic thing, like a whiplash. Otherwise, and we see this all the time, it is just habitually time over time that the pressure systems in the cervical spine are not symmetrical and it's loading one area. It often is doing it in the transitional places. Um, but now I think we're seeing it in every, you know, it used to be like C6, C7, occasionally C4, C5, C5, C6. I think now we can see it in a variety of places just because of this forward head and um, it can get it even higher. So the first thing is, Yes, lit is going to be absolutely great. What I would not recommend for somebody with a herniated disc is pressure, headstands, plow. We don't do any of that stuff. So we're immediately, so that might, maybe the Cairo is meaning soft yoga. I'm not sure what that means by that. Um, down dog is actually should be a wonderful pose because it's tractioning with the weight of your skull. So I'm not sure where that came in. Um, and that, to me, seems a little fear-mongering, like it, it should be absolutely fine. Where you want to be careful is where you're loading your hands and your neck is not able to align well with the thoracic spine and then the scapula on the ribs, because that could, if your head is really dumping down, it can put a lot of strain in the very area that herniation is. So those things have to be really attended to, meaning trying to find a more neutral cervical spine when there's weight-bearing. In, in a more horizontal plane. With down dog, you, you're already having like the traction and uh, effect of the neck, so it should be fine. And, and then just not really overly lifting and a lot of extension, that might actually help, but it needs to be in certain positions. So not necessarily when you're weight bearing, like in a Cobra, I would just advise looking ahead, not lifting the chin because it can compress. There's just not enough space in that particular pose. But over time, when the spine is in alignment, it might feel really nice to get some of that extension and maybe help some of the cervical uh, vertebrae to kind of push more anteriorly because they might have been pushed posteriorly, which happens, and that's where you get that little kind of hump in your neck. So um, it's what I would say is as not a physical therapist, but as a lit-trained teacher, use your wisdom, and when you don't feel clear on something, just give the permission or give the power to the person. Uh, we do not want to lead with fear. That is just never going to serve anybody. How does this feel for you? Does that feel compressive? Do you feel any discomfort, any of the nerviness? So, um, and if you feel that, come out of it. Like it's really good because we're teaching them for a very small percentage of their day. Ultimately, everybody needs to be kind of empowered of how to take care of themselves. But tr learning that triple S, getting up against the wall, getting some space um, in the lower cervical spine, between the cervical spine and the skull, super important. Anything? Yeah. Well, and I also want to remind people that, you know, whenever you get an MRI, it's a snapshot and it will reflect 
your posture and your muscle spasms. So you can appear to have a slipped disc, quote unquote, a disc herniation. And if you would get the go back the very next day, get an MRI, find yourself, and then you're able to get into a triple S, you know, that, that nice long, and it wouldn't show up because, you know, the discs, to your point, Laura, they're, they're situated in there, but they move. So if you are in this, you know, you've kinked your neck for whatever, and you're in this weird kind of posture, and then you go lie down in a super uncomfortable position for 30 minutes while they do this, this thing, and you got a lot of stress and, you know, nervousness, and maybe pain is going down your arm, you know, I, I don't trust the MRI because yes, it's telling us what they saw at that moment. It, it is a good indication especially if it correlates, if you've got this right-sided creation, bulge, whatever, with right arm symptoms. But if it, and oftentimes I see it's just the opposite. I'm like, well, that says it's on the left and your symptoms are, it really just, you know. So not to, I would, again, to your fear-mongering point, Laura, let's not, let's educate our clients not to put so, put so much stock in that MRI because that is, it's scary. I mean, it's scary. And and the fear of movement, when in fact, movement is a lot of times what they need. I agree with you about the down dog. The only thing I could think of is if, because as soon as it, you said, I was like, yep, yep, that traction, you know, if she has some thoracic outlet and that would be impinging in that position, but I still think nine times out of 10 down dog, you get that tractioning of the neck would feel nice. Um, so... I agree with you. He was thinking of yoga in terms of traditional yoga that does just tend to, I think, put the body in in less optimal positions and less strong. Even Chioe said, you know, we're working deep cervical flexors. You know, we're working the strength that, quite frankly, she, her client needs to help her heal from this from this injury um and and you know pushing that that boundary of movement into discomfort you don't i love how you said talk to her how does this feel does this feel compressive does this reproduce your symptoms if something reproduces her symptoms the first thing i would do is try to modify that movement and see does that take it away and if i'm unable to modify and she still has it, then I'm like, you know what? We're not going to do this for now. We're going to come back to it, but we're not going to do it for now because we don't want to provoke yeah. the symptoms. But 100% lit, the way we teach it, um, is very, very safe for the neck. Traditional yoga, if there's a something going on, muscle spasm, you know, a, a facet joint that's locked, a disc that is herniated, um, can be less optimal for for a, a neck. Absolutely, the headstands, the plow pose, the, the looking up towards the sky to feel more spiritual, you know, like, let's be mm -hmm. honest, you know, that's yeah. just not ideal. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying don't ever do it. You want to be able to do that, but don't do it over and over and over again just because someone told you to. In, in my lit classes, I will put in motions that people kind of look at me like oh, it's coming out of neutral and it's like it's okay to come out of neutral you just want to always be able to come back to your to your north 
Um, and that's what we really focus on. And that is true for the spine. That's true for every joint, you know, shoulder, finding scapular neutral, finding a centrated humerus, the hip, finding that ability to stabilize the pelvis, the pelvis. Um, yeah. So I think she, uh, she kind of said like, I think I know the answer, but I want some more information. So you got this. Um, and I, I hope we helped out a little yeah, more. And, and I will say just assuming that, um, not everybody knows triple S because I know sometimes people pop on as new listeners. Triple S stands for the skull, the scapula, and the sacrum. And those are the primary curves of the body. And when we're, they're really in alignment, that's a spectrum, you know, they're not, but when they're in alignment, um, that is a neutral spine. So that's putting the head in the best position, the skull on the top of the cervical spine. And so using um, your own hands, like bringing your hand behind your skull, moving your head back, without double chinning it, but trying to open up the space where the skull meets the neck and maybe a hand on the front ribs to stabilize against the counter movement forward. That can be a way throughout the day that this person can start to really find that position because it's really the other things in her life that have brought her to this point. Um, And our practice is a place where she can re-educate and, and, and change that. And that's, what's really wonderful, but it has to like carry over into daily life as well. All right. Um, Suze M asks better to work out in the morning or later in the day. I'll, I'll answer this question right away. Cause I've actually done a podcast on it. Um, there's a lot of research and there's more research that's come out more recently and there's benefits mostly from a metabolic standpoint uh, based on where you work out. What I always say is work out when you're going to be consistent. (laughs) I mean, and it's kind of like do what you love, do what brings you joy. These are, these seem kind of, um, they they seem kind of logical and intuitive, but a lot of people think that they they need to do something that they see, you know, oh, I need to start doing whatever, this kind of exercise and this person wakes up at 4.30 in the morning and I should do that. If it works in your schedule and you're consistent, then do it based on that. I have many people who, Kate and Kristen have, you know, that want to do it in the morning because it sets the day, it starts the energy flow, it carries them into the day. And the other thing is it's, I don't want to say it's a checklist and it's over, but it ha- it is, it's done in the sense that it's it started the engines. And so you, if you don't get too much more other activity and you at least know you've started off, you front load it. I mean, the goal is ultimately to, that to continue other stuff. But I, I know this person's a- asking in terms of like a workout practice. So I'm trying to be specific to that. If it works better for you, like I need, I'm not, I don't have time in the morning for whatever reason, and I need to just put it in my day. There are benefits to doing it. Um, in early afternoon and even the evening. It may help you fall asleep better. It may not. That's where you have to figure out, like, if I work out later in the day, how is it impacting my sleep? And then what do I feel like all day waiting until that time to work out? You know, and how many times do I wait and it doesn't happen? And then I feel like a negative feedback loop because what we're always trying to do is work with our body, with our systems, with our brain to just maximize energy and joy. So I know for me, I, if I had to wait until five, 
it is a 10% chance, unless I'm scheduled to teach, that it's going to happen. I'm just, I start to kind of throttle down after three. Now I might take my dog for a walk or stuff like that, but that's, I know that's to me not, that would, I, I would never be consistent. So um, that when you're going to be the most inconsistent is the number one time. And then there are some advantages, uh, you know, they in terms of like fat burning and caloric stuff that I'm not going to really get into because that's not really my wheelhouse. Um, but you can look that up, like in if that's what you're interested in. But the number one thing is when are you going to be consistent? And that might change. I mm -hmm. mean, I know, you know, when my kids were little and I was breastfeeding or, you know, I was not doing it in the morning because I had to breastfeed and get that weight off my chest. And then I was doing it around three o'clock. And that was also because I would go for a run with my friend. We would do it together. And so that worked for us. I, I couldn't do it in the morning. I would pump, go run. It was great. The kids got a little older and I would end up, I joined a gym where they had daycare. So I was like, yay, it gave me that time, you know, to be like, here you go. And then I would do it later then. It has definitely changed. As Laura said, I am certainly a morning person. For example, I, I have a lot of private clients and classes that I teach in the morning. This week, my regular 5.30 a.m. private client is on spring break. So I didn't set my alarm. I was like, woohoo, sleep in. But I knew I had my next one at, at 8 a.m. And I woke up when my husband's alarm, and I kind of woke up anyway. I was waking up, but I was like, no, I'm going to take advantage of it. 6.45, I was like, all right, I'm really pushing it here. Can I get one in? And I'm looking at my... I look at my calendar. I pull up my calendar and I looked, when can I fit my workout in? So it is a scheduling thing. I'm like you, Laura. I hit that three, four o'clock. That's when I got to go pick up my daughter. That's when I'm just ramping down. Um, so I freaking laced up my shoes, ran down from the treadmill, got on there, and I felt so happy that I did it. I had a great run. Um, jumped in the shower, whatever, got through, you know, um, but I scheduled it. I absolutely picked up my phone and looked at what do I have today? I was pretty sure that I'm booked all the way till 3 p.m. I was like, well, then I got to go get Bailey. Then I'm not going to want to do it because I'm going to want to hang out with my daughters. So um, it might be different every day. Schedule and let me it. add, let me add on to this because we are, I think, real models of um, movement and um good habits. But I want to also say like, it is something I do because I know the impact, <laughs> not necessarily that I wanted you in the moment. Like right. it, sometimes I'd rather hang out in bed. And it's, it's, you know, we when in Costa Rica, we were in Costa Rica and we practiced before I taught. And it was a little bit easier every day because we were getting to bed earlier. But it was just like, I, you know, it's not like I'm you like, let's go. Out of bed. I mean, I'm coming, I'm getting my coffee, you know, I, yeah. it's a whole thing. But so if you're, if you're also like, well, I never really look forward to it. That's okay. As long as you keep doing it because your yeah. brain knows the positive impact. So it doesn't mean that you're going to be cheerio. Let's go every time. Um, no. I think that's really important to realize, even for us that are so dedicated to movement, um, there it's, we just, we have it so ingrained that, um, that we're going to feel, we know the app, you know, we, we know the impact. So we come back because of that, but that if it's absolutely right. I didn't want to get up. 
I I wanted yeah. to lay in my bed and read yeah. my book. Yeah. But I was like, I will regret. I will. I I know I'll feel better. And then to your point, I'm going to be stressing about it later. And then I might let myself down because it's just I it I know it makes me feel better. And I know it's good for me, too. Exactly. I think this is really important. We can feel bad about something, but not punish ourselves. So this yeah. is different. Like we are moving because we know mentally, mentally, emotionally, and yes, physically, we are better. We are better people. And when it doesn't happen, it's okay. We can be disappointed. That doesn't mean I'm going to be like, you're such a shitty person. I can't believe you didn't do it. Now you can't right. eat any, you know, like, no, I'll just get back to it tomorrow. So don't get in this habit of, um, berating yourself if you don't aren't consistent that's not going to do any good what you want to do is just realize why why do i keep coming here well i know i handle life way better when i'm taking care of myself in the form of moving i agree yeah all right so know your why i guess that's our final word here know your why and know that we are pulling for you but that's we're Always. not signing off yet we're going to tell you to first rate review subscribe and please share this podcast it is an award-winning podcast yay um and it really does um help and so if it's helped you in any way and you just do us a favor and share it with people and and drop a review if you have questions of your own as you can see we'll answer any question we might not be experts on it but we'll try and just bring our own experience into it you can write us at support at lityoga.com or you can reach us on social media. You can reach Lara at lara.hyman or I'm kbwilliams99. That's our Instagram handles. You can also reach out to our Redefining Yoga podcast um, Instagram and drop a DM there and they will forward it to us. So uh, yeah, know that we are always at reach, within reach. That's the word I'm yeah. looking for and um, happy to help because a lot of people, they count on this. They listen to it every Wednesday. It's in their practice. And they don't know what the questions are going to be, but we all learn from each other. So no question is stupid because you'd be surprised the number of people. You probably hear it like, oh, I've always wondered that too, or I feel the same thing. Um, so put it out there. Help help the world by educating. That's that, that that's what we're trying to do and that we're you're allowing us to do that. Thank you so much. We're pulling for you. 